Jim Toronto filling in for Dean Richards this morning, but listen anyway. As uh, Dean does every Sunday, it wouldn't be Sunday around 9.30 if uh, this guest wasn't uh, joining us. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. Give us the news. Dr. Kevin Most, welcome to the show. Yep. Hello? Yes. Hello, Jim. You there? There he is. Sorry about that. I've uh, got 17 uh, different little knobs in front of me here, but there's the knob for Dr. Kevin Most. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Good, good, good. So, wow. Um, it's not every day that the President of the United States uh, catches COVID, so uh, there's never a dull, a dull moment in this pandemic, is there? There isn't, Jim. And if, if you look at it and say, gosh, you know, the leading legislator here in Illinois, Governor Pritzker has right. COVID. Right, exactly. Got COVID. <laughs> I guess it's a kind of wake up for all of us that any of us can get COVID. Yeah, and Dr. Fauci recently yeah. got it. So, yeah, I mean, this uh, these are people that are uh, on the front making decisions for us, informing us, and uh, uh, taking, you would think, precautions. And as, and as you talked over the last several weeks, as many pre- uh, precautions as you can take, it looks like this B5 variant is certainly transmissible and infectious. Absolutely. You know, even though, look at both of these individuals, when I talk about um, Governor Pritzker and President Biden, both of them fully vaccinated, fully boosted, fairly well protected, being tested all the time. So certainly it does show us exactly what you just said. Although it's going to protect you from being hospitalized or get severe illness, you can still get BA5, you know, regardless of your immune status. And you know, what's interesting, uh, you know, President Biden took a lot of flack for fist bumping. When he went to Saudi Arabia and met with the crown prince. And now I wonder if he did that because he may have known that he might be contagious. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. (laughs) It it got a lot of etiquette faux pas. Yeah. The right thing to do to a leader. But I guess it, it should be now a reminder to all of us. Hey. Let's be careful about who we're around because we don't know who has this. Yeah. And we can certainly spread it. Well, one of the things that uh, that I wanted to talk about, we we you know, it's interesting in the midst of even as you say, our our, our, our the, the, some of the the biggest leaders in our country here in our state as well as uh, the president of the United States have now come down with COVID, and at the same time, those same people, uh, especially here in the state of Illinois, Governor Pritzker, are still continuing to to remove mandates and, and different restrictions and loosening things up. And it almost seems contradictory, doesn't it, in the face of how fast and quick B5 um, uh, travels? Should we, should we be loosening these restrictions, even though the, the rates are raising or rising? Jim, yeah, Jim, you know, when we look at, you know, putting masking mandates back in place, which is going to happen in some states, there are probably three or four states now where this is very, very high. We still, even in Chicago and all the collar counties, are at the highest transmission rate level. So certainly, if we're not going to mandate it, we all should be at least thinking of it. If you're going to be in closed corners with people that you don't know, if you're going to be in large groups, think about it, because it's like we just said, anybody can get it. And, you know, although people say, well, you know, everyone that I know who's had mild symptoms, I'm sorry, but long COVID is still a possibility, and I'll tell you, nobody wants that. Well, this is one of the things I wanted to ask you, is because there seems to be such a lackadaisical, laissez-faire attitude, and that's exactly the way people are walking around, like, well, if I get it, I get it, or, you know, I'd rather get it and get it over with. It's almost like a nuisance. <laughs> and yet, what, what, the, the, great, uh, the great mystery about this disease, and what's so uh, insidious about it, is that it doesn't affect two people the same way and you can't 
just casually say, oh, I'll get it and get over with it because you don't know if your body will, uh, you know, react adversely or it will do some long-term damage. And and long-term COVID is something real and it really can have, as its name implicates, uh, long-term serious health implications. So just catching COVID for the sake of it um, is still dangerous, right? Oh, absolutely. And you kind of hit on it, Joe. We're making a lot of comparisons to this and influenza. When we start talking about the vaccine will be like influenza. You know, part of that message is great from a communication point, and part of it is terrible because now people associate it, well, this is just the way things are going to be. We're going to have to learn to live with this. And certainly that may end up being the case. But like you just said, this is a disease that just doesn't influenza Boy, it's, it's aggravating if you ever had it, but it's almost all upper respiratory congestion, aches, fever, fever, body aches, but it doesn't get into our heart. It doesn't get into our brain. And that's the part that people have to understand right now that avoiding this illness as much as you possibly can is great. It may still be here, but boy, I would try to do everything to not get it. And, uh, and now there are some, uh, some new vaccines that are being approved and, uh, and new ones being developed hopefully in uh, in the fall as the new boosters. So hopefully we will be a little more protected moving forward. Yeah, and two things about the, the two points that you just made there, and I don't want to make sure that people don't miss the subtlety of it. You know, about 25% of this country has not been vaccinated at all. We're still, at, then, that, we're still at that rate, huh? 25%. Yeah. Wow. And many, many people feel that it's like they were that mRNA vaccine, they made it too quickly. Well, Novavax has just come out with a vaccine that's made in the traditional way. So two things about it. One, if you're, if you're afraid of mRNA, you can get this because it's not an mRNA virus, a vaccine. But the other is, look how long it took a company to make this. Right. And think about what condition we would be in right now if we hadn't had that vaccine. Right. It's been two and a half years. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh. And uh, so, so a lot of people are wondering about, uh, you know, boosters. Should I get one now? Should I wait to the fall? What do you think is the best uh, advice? Yeah, I think if you're if you have any comorbidities, if you're over the age of sixty, I would certainly get it right now. Now, many people say, "Well, I just had Omicron, or I just had BA five. Okay, you're going to have some natural immunity for probably the next thirty or sixty days." But certainly I would get it, I think, in the fall, and it's probably going to be the late fall, more towards late October, early November. Hopefully we'll see a new booster come out that has not only the original COVID vaccine as a booster, but also will have a BA5 portion to it for better protection against that predominant strain. And we still should be getting our flu shots, correct? Absolutely, 100%. You know, we were very fortunate that first year of covid Uh, The flu essentially went away, and two things happened there. Flu didn't go away. It just showed us that the mitigation things that we put in place stopped the spread of influenza. A very interesting study came out just this week about the importance of, believe it or not, influenza vaccine and the possibility of Alzheimer's, and a link showing that people who have been vaccinated for influenza have a much lower chance of, of getting Alzheimer's. So, Another, just another wow. reason why we should get 
vaccinated for influenza. Wow. Dr. Kevin Mose of Northwestern Medicine Central DuPage Hospital uh, with us today talking about uh, COVID and other uh, health-related issues. Uh, after the break, uh, Dr. Mose, can we uh, talk about monkeypox? Because this is something that has been, uh, you know, sort of taken a back seat to some extent. But uh, as we're looking around the world, it is now becoming a global health emergency. And uh, so I think a lot of people have some questions about that that we can uh, we can touch upon as well. Jim Toronto filling in for Dean Richards this morning at WGN 720 AM. But listen anyway, we'll be back after this with Dr. Kevin Most. Jim Toronto, Elton Jim filling in for Dean Richards this morning. Have on the phone, regular guest here on the Dean Richards Show, Dr. Kevin Most. Welcome to the show, Doctor. Good to be back, Jim. It's always nice seeing you working while Dean's, you know, lollygag and taking the day off. Yeah, I don't know. Dean is uh, MIA. Uh, we don't know where he is, what he's doing, but uh, hopefully he's enjoying it, whatever he is. So, uh, But I'm here uh, manning the controls and uh, glad to have you with us. We've been talking about uh, some of the latest COVID news over the last week, but uh, I did want to talk a little bit, and some people have some questions about um, the, the monkeypox. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think we're at pandemic at the point, but I, just de- I did see a, a, a crawl on the news that the, it's now being called a, a, a global health emergency. So where are we on, on monkeypox? Yeah, you know, it, it's good that the CDC is raising awareness for this because if not, it would continue to spread as it is. Now, we all have to remember that monkeypox is nowhere near as virulent as, you know, causing major problems as COVID does. But certainly we need to know that it is spreading. Here in Illinois, I believe we just went over 200 cases. And the difficult thing about this illness, Jim, is it's got this really weird incubation period. So in other words, you will be uh, exposed to monkeypox. And for about one to two weeks, you're going to have just these weird symptoms, almost some of the symptoms similar to COVID, you know, fever, headaches, muscle aches. The rash that everyone's talking about and everyone's seeing does not come out until one to two weeks later. So because of that, it's very difficult to get your arms around it and to do contact tracing back to see where these uh, cases are coming from. In the meantime, while someone doesn't even know they have it, they could be spreading it, correct? Well, you really won't spread it until you get the rash. Oh, okay. So that's probably one of the good things is the prodrome, that symptom, you know, the, the virus is in your body replicating, but not to a point where you're going to be exposing anybody because it's direct contact. So those lesions, those rashes just have lots of virus, live virus on them. And that direct contact is what causes the spread. Is there any connection to smallpox with a smallpox vaccine? Or is this a completely different thing? Or it just has, this, it has the same name? Yeah, it just <laughs> happens to have the same name. Yeah, completely so this has different. no connection yeah. to smallpox. A smallpox vaccine wouldn't be working. We do know that around the world and around the country, the availability now of a monkeypox uh, vaccine is uh, is rising and more cities are getting them because it is becoming an epidemic uh, in some big cities and um, and uh, in certain uh, you know areas of uh, the city it's becoming uh, a lot of talk about it happening in in the gay community but it's certainly not uh, just considered only in that community where monkeypox is spreading correct correct we've had a few pediatric cases you know the predominant cases are uh you know, individuals, men who have sex with men, that's where we're seeing the majority of these cases. But again, they can spread that by contact with anybody. So certainly we have seen pediatric cases. We've seen other cases that are not, you know, sexually related. So certainly a concern. And you make a very good point about the vaccine, right? Think about all these vaccine companies. They haven't been making monkeypox vaccine because we haven't <laughs> right. needed it. Right. And certainly their focus with all their virologists, with all their team, has been on COVID and the COVID, the new COVID vaccines and influenza. So 
now it's like, all right, take a portion of your company now and start making monkeypox vaccine because, like you said, you know, there's certainly a shortage of it. You have many individuals that want to get vaccinated to stop the spread, and the vaccine's just not available. Do you think because of COVID, uh, and I, th- I would say at least in general, the average person, if they're not well-educated on uh, infectious diseases, we're certainly more aware of them. They have impacted many of our lives for the last couple of years. Do you think moving forward, because of, of what's happened with this pandemic, overall we will be learning more and hearing more of different viruses that may not have made news because they weren't affecting a lot of people, but now anytime we hear of a new virus because of our, our COVID uh, awareness, uh, that, that elevates the entire infectious disease category. And so do you think we'll be hearing a lot, a, a lot more in the future about um, new viruses that are around, they may not be as prevalent and, uh, you know, and as widespread and as dangerous as COVID, but we may be hearing about more just in general because now we're a little more aware of viruses in general? Absolutely. I think, you know, and you hit on two kind of major points there. One is not only the public perception, I think we've all educated ourselves more about viruses and about the immune system and the importance of vaccines and how that works and how we can slow the spread. From a general public point of view, that's great. I think from a public health point of view, too, now, the world is much smaller. When we find viruses around the world now, it's so much more easy for us to not only train, attract those, identify those, but also start to put a game plan together for a vaccine that may be in Africa right now, but headed this way. So certainly, I think that the probably one of the good things I'll say that came out of COVID was the increased awareness, not only from the public, but also from the public health. We're going to go to the phones here. We've got uh, Mel on the line. Mel, welcome to the show. Thank you for your time, and I appreciate it. i got a second question here, and I'll try to make it real, real quick. Okay, 77 years old, got my uh, four Pfizer, so then I just wait in the fall for that uh, new booster. Yeah, Mel, so if you've already gotten your two Pfizers plus your two boosters, you are fully protected right now as well as you can be. But again, you're 77, so I hate to tell you that, but you have one of those comorbidities that I would really try to protect yourself from getting the BA5. So you can see, if, like how President um, Biden is doing, certainly doing well. So if you start to get the symptoms and if you start to feel that way, you can still get it. Make sure you get into your doctor because you'd be an excellent candidate for the Paxlovid medication that will shorten the duration and decrease this infection. Okay, also the, the, the flu shot for me, do I, I know it takes two weeks to kick in in the last uh, four months, if that's, if that's all true. Should I get that done around uh, the 31st or so, around Halloween of uh, October, a little earlier, or what? Yeah, I'm a big fan of people getting vaccinated for influenza sometime in October. We know that influenza historically, if you look long-range history, you're going to see it around Thanksgiving, Christmas, those times when we do a lot of travel and a lot of people are together. So you want to make sure that you are fully protected with that vaccine about two weeks before Thanksgiving. So certainly I tell anybody, please get it in October. Don't wait until you get on the airplane to go to visit loved ones in November. And that'll last four months. It'll last me through that uh, until about February or so, right? Absolutely. And the influenza, we feel that because we have it specific for the strains, one of two things happens. You're going to get protection through the entire year. We just have to hope that the vaccine that they chose is going to be the predominant virus strains that we see that year. So you're protected all the way through the next spring. We don't do boosters for influenza. 
So really, you, you will be protected. We just have to keep our fingers crossed that we've picked the right strains to put in that vaccine. Thanks a lot, Mel. We've got, Thank uh, you. We've got Paulette on the line. Welcome to the show, Paulette. Yes, thank you. I've been wondering. Um, I'm, I'm a senior. I'm high risk on four counts. Exceptionally careful with my mitigation habits. However, I don't know who I'm more frustrated with: people who are normalizing COVID, you know, to the point where they're taking acceptable risks and the risks for others, or the lack of response. Or I don't hear anything particularly coming out from the CDC and especially the media. It's it's a non-issue at this point, and I don't know who's driving it, the CDC and the media, or or people just thinking it's a non-issue because it certainly isn't. And um, I'm just, I don't know. I just don't hear much from them. And I am a... I am a news junkie, both regular and cable news, and I hear nothing coming from them about long COVID, and it's a big issue, even for children. Yeah, Paulette, you know, so if we're going to talk about long COVID, certainly the CDC is trying to get their arms around it. And really, if you think about long COVID and the number of cases that we have are still low, they're they're decent numbers, but they're not, it's not like 80% of people are getting this, but certainly... We're getting close to double digits of, you know... Isn't it still... It's still several millions of people, though, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, so that's still a a viable number to to be worried. 100%. (laughs) the The last thing a senior needs in their life especially if they live alone and there's no one to take care of them, is to have another chronic health issue on top of what they're dealing with already. So long COVID is more more concerning to me than anything. Absolutely, Paulette. And like you said, you're doing with four comorbidities, you're doing all the mitigation you can, which is great. Stay protected. Yeah, thank you, Paulette. There's a ton of work being done on long COVID. We just don't have enough data points now and enough information to to really make a media splash. Well, you know, uh, my wife and I recently came back. We were uh, in uh, the UK uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I'll have to tell you, to, to Paulette's point, uh, we were in Heathrow Airport, which is one of the biggest airports in the world, and uh, hardly anybody was wearing a mask in the airport. Uh, my wife and I were. That's an eight-hour flight from Chicago and back. We wore our masks the whole time on the plane, but we were in the in the huge minority of people wearing their masks on the flight. So that was, was still, as Paulette says, I, uh, I'm still wearing a mask when I go to the grocery store and when I go out uh, to anywhere where there's large people, airports, uh, you know, grocery stores, big stores, things like that. Uh, at the same time, uh, you know, last night I went out to dinner with some friends. We were outdoors. I know these people. I know they've been vaccinated. So I, I felt a, a high degree of... Um, of comfort there, but uh, I'm still being vigilant. And right, I mean, isn't that the message? We still need to be vigilant. It it is, Jim. And and it's disappointing that you hear what happened at Heathrow. When you look at what's going on in the UK right now and the number of cases they have, the ability of people to be exposed at that airport and then go to many, many other places to continue the spread is very discouraging. Yeah. Well, Dr. Kevin Most, as always, thank you for the update, thank you for the information, and thank you for your service. We always talk about people uh, in the military serving us, and there's no question that uh, we appreciate that. But in the last couple of years, uh, I think the medical community deserves that same kind of, uh, of, uh, of thank you. So thank you for, uh, for helping us, uh, keeping us informed and keeping us healthy. I really appreciate it. You got it, Jim. You take care. Appreciate thank- the opportunity.